The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Chiefs Kingdom, welcome in. We got another edition of the Draft Talk Show on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. You hear us on the AP Draft Room all the time, uh, talking through the offseason, talking through free agency, talking through the draft. Well, this show is all about mock drafts. We're talking through the actual what teams are picking, what the Chiefs are picking, what players are looking at. Uh, my name is Ron Cobb, Jr., lead analyst at ArrowheadPride.com. Last week, you heard me with Rocky, Rocky Magana. But now we got another first-time uh, I guess Jared was the first-time guest on uh, AP Draft Room. Rocky's been on the network, but Christian... Christian Gumminger, great writer at ArrowheadPride.com. Uh, I know you guys have seen his stuff. He's got the Beach, the Brett Veach series right now going on. Um, just you know, looking at Brett Veach's 2021, what he did, and uh, plenty of other cool stuff coming on. Christian, introduce yourself to the people. Yeah, man, thanks. Uh, yeah, so this is my first time on a podcast, so hopefully I don't, you know, all of AP ghosts don't come back and haunt me or anything, but uh, – <laughs> no dude i'm happy to be finally get a chance to try this out and uh be able to talk a little mock draft with you. yeah no you you've been all over the draft stuff so far um you've been obviously into it so free agency too we're actually going through some cool free agency stuff that we'll see we'll reveal for the people but no just real quick though christian you know it's your first year at ap you actually joined midway through the season um which yeah. which was cool uh, you know, I think the people are maybe a little interested about how you got to AP. Uh, what what was your process like in that in that situation? Uh, I grew up a Chiefs fan. I grew up, you know, kind of in Kansas City, uh, real close to the stadium. So just you know, and you can smell the barbecue in the weekends. You know, you just kind of <laughs> rooting for this. I started in the fan post, just started throwing articles out there, just trying stuff, and I uh, got an opportunity to you know write and jumped on it and just love it man it's 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 honestly a huge outlet for me yeah no i think that's how we all feel uh, it's funny you say that christian we we came up in similar paths i was also a fan poster and that's how pete brought me on so shout out pete he put together the ap yep. army strong army we got we got the ap army here looking strong as ever being as strong as ever we're voluminous, man. We got a ton of us now. I feel like we've we've never had this big of a, of a staff. Yeah, no, I know, I know. It's almost like we got, you know, we got we got everybody doing everything. So we got all the opinions. You, you know, you don't. I think people are tired of hearing me talk, but uh, you know, that's that's the beauty of it is we got plenty of other writers to uh, talk and write. So 
No, we're here today to talk about your mock draft, Christian. You actually uh, put together a seven-round one. Um, I don't think you you didn't did you tweet that out? I don't I don't think I, you yeah did. I put it together out today. Yeah, or Thursday. Yes, yeah. So not tweeted out, but you know we we're going over it all here. But you know it is Thursday as you mentioned, and some big news did happen um, in Chiefs Kingdom on Thursday. It came out that or report it's reported at least we haven't heard it officially from the Chiefs yet, but. It is reported that Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator uh, since 2018, since Patrick Mahomes took over, um, he is now he is going to return. Uh, you know his his contract actually expired after the 2021 season. Uh, reportedly, he is returning to be the offensive coordinator once again in Kansas City. Um, it's been kind of a weird month in the Bieniemy, uh, you know, storyline with with a few things coming out mm-hmm. and maybe some maybe some doubts that he would be back. But he, but it sounds like he's going to be back, Christian. Um, what are your, what is your kind of thoughts on maybe just that in general, but just maybe how that can affect, uh, or how that doesn't affect, or, or however you want to take it, uh, the team going into twenty twenty two. For me, it always makes sense if he wasn't going to be a head coach, and that's obviously his goal, and he's obviously qualified. I mean, the Chiefs have had a top five offense since twenty eighteen. Each year, if not top five, it's you know top six, top seven. Um, last year, they were historically great at scoring points. They had the turnovers, yeah. but points per game, they were insane. So, I mean, it's not like it's a, it's a bad call. But, you know, there were some rumblings, and I think, you know, Chiefs fans themselves kind of wanted a new voice. Yeah. But with Kafka leaving and leaving early, I think it kind of – pave the way for Eric Bieniemy to come back as the offensive coordinator. That's a good point, honestly, because, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Kafka, you know, maybe he doesn't leave so quick if he thinks there's a chance Bieniemy leaves because, hey, if I have a chance to be the offensive coordinator. Um, so that kind of shows you maybe Kafka knew that, you know, Bieniemy would be staying. You know, another thing, too, though, is is this shouldn't have been that surprising. Um, I know it is catching some people off guard or some people are taking it that way. You know, was Andy Reid really going to want to le- lose Kafka and Bieniemy in the same offseason? Uh, you know, he's he's a guy that's very loyal to his assistants, to his coaches. You know, almost to a fault sometimes. Which, hey, we don't know. Maybe this is a situation where it is loyalty to a fault. Um, but you know, if that's the thing, if there was a real problem, like some of the problems we heard about, he right. wouldn't be back, right? I mean, and you know, the the team, the the organization, you know, they value someone like Patrick Mahomes' opinion. Um, I would assume a lot more than, than anything else. So no, it's good to see Bianami back. Hopefully next year, uh, you know, finally gets him a coaching job. But, um, I, you know, I did think there was maybe, you know, if there was a new outside hire coming into OC, you know, maybe it does change up the offense. Maybe it does change up what they look at for, uh, you know, in the draft or in free agency. Um, I would not, I would not expect much of a shakeup, uh, offensively, um, in terms of like how they run, what, what plays they run schematically, anything, uh, yeah, so that with that said, Christian, we're going to talk draft because this yes. is what it's all about. Yep. And, with, and with the EB kind of news, uh, you know, now that we understand that, now that that's going on, we got this coaching continuity. We're going to, you know, we know that's happening or we it's reportedly happening, but we're going to assume some other things uh, before we go into this mock draft that you you put together. You know, we're, we're mock drafting before combine, before free agency. You know, there's a lot to be determined and we're kind of, you know, we're, this is this is the fun of it, though. You kind of test everything out. You kind of experiment a little bit. Christian, when you were preparing for this seven round mock draft, 
what were some of the team assumptions you made about the team's free agency period or how they retained players? What were some of the assumptions you went into the draft with? Yeah, so I mean, if you look at who's under contract right now, there is there's no DBs. You have Juan <laughs> Thornhill, Legarius Need, Rashad Fenton. That's all that's you have. That's yep. everybody that's under contract who's played meaningful snaps. Armani Watts is leaving. Daniel Sorensen is in the last year of his deal. Uh, Tyron Matthews is gone. Traverius Ward uh, is an unrestricted free agent. You just don't have bodies. So I made the assumption that in free agency, Tyron Matthew is coming back. The main okay. reason for that is because Hitch is already gone. And you can see that the cerebral side of that defense was Anthony Hitchens and was Tyron Matthew. And I don't think you can lose both. Yeah. I don't think Spags, with the way Spags calls his defense, I don't think you can lose both of your brains <laughs> that are on the field. Well, that's that's one thing I just wanted to mention, though. You mentioned that. Like, that's one reason we all kind of assume maybe Ben Neiman's out the door, too. He's an unrestricted free agent. Another you know, he, he does have the experience of, of calling the defense, of being, you know, the, he was the backup Mike linebacker for a couple of years and obviously in the dime defense. So maybe we do see Neiman back, even though it's a guy that, uh, that a lot of us have kind of assumed and, and maybe hoped a little bit uh, wouldn't be on the team next year. You know, he did have he, in his role, you know, and, you know, he, he, he played better last year than maybe he has in the past. It's still just not good enough in my opinion, but, I think that's a good point. And, you know, do you have any assumptions on Frank Clark? It's not someone you wrote down, but is he on this team next year? What do you think about that? Man, that is such a – I didn't really make an assumption on Frank Clark. I really just – I just don't know. Right. Um, that's I the think... hard part. It's, you know, some of his off-field interviews that he's done, he's been very – and rightfully so, proud of the fact of the contract that he earned. Uh, he was a – he was, I think he was the highest played non-quarterback, highest paid non-quarterback last year and did not produce as the highest paid non-quarterback last year. Yeah, and not to, even close. And to ask him to take a pay cut, that's a tough that's a tough conversation. And I, I don't know if that's a conversation that he wants to even entertain um, or how much he loves Kansas City. So I kind of just steered away from it. My draft strategy went to just kind of building around Chris Jones. Yeah. And I think that's fair. And I, and I think that's Chris Jones, is the one guy I think you feel good about saying he will be here in 2022 out of all the kind of the veteran uh, big names on the defense. Uh, one guy you also looked like you assumed was back was Orlando Brown jr. That's good. I think a lot of people, I, I think it's a fair assumption at, at this point. I think we all assume the chiefs are going to get yeah. that done. Uh, what about some of the guys that are leaving, though? Some of the guys you assumed would not be back unrestricted free agency-wise. With signing Badger, I think you can only keep one of Tyron Matthew and Charvarius Ward. So we let Ward, who was an unrestricted or was undrafted, and we've had exclusive rights to him for the last couple of years, I think that the Chiefs let him go and make his payday. Uh, yeah. He's earned it. I mean, he's a number two, number three. I, I don't think he's a number one. Yeah. Um, but he's a very solid number two boundary corner. Um, he's going to make his money. And I think that the chiefs have decided that they value that, you know, the defense in the middle of the field versus the boundary. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Right. I think cornerback has always been a position in Kansas city for better, or for worse. We haven't seen a lot of investment. In it, and I think it's exactly what you just said. 
They they really take advantage or they really, you know, care about the middle of the defense more than maybe the perimeters of the defense. And so speaking of that, you set it up perfectly. I said they don't put a lot of investment in corner, but it's time, man. Let's get into the seven round right, mock draft Christian. Let's get into it, right? Yeah. You put this, you put this together. Um, I think you you compute the computer picked every pick besides the Chiefs. Am I correct on that? Correct. Yes. So you just picked the Chiefs picks. And I say they don't invest in cornerback a lot. Well, you go right against that theory um, <laughs> with pick 30, with the first round pick. You went ahead and took Roger McCreary, the cornerback from Auburn, uh, SEC cornerback, obviously. I, I've looked at him a little bit. I've seen some good stuff. Christian, what were you a fan of or how excited were you when you took this pick at 30? I was really excited. Like I said, there are no DBs. <laughs> there is, there is, you have to fill the room. The Chiefs roll with, you know, eight or nine um, defensive backs throughout the season. And you just have to have bodies there. Um, with McCreary, I know Brian Stewart um, has, loves him. He absolutely <laughs> yes. loves him. Um, so that, you know, he's sitting there on the board. I was like, looking at it, I was like, okay, I can I can plug Brian here a little bit. <laughs> uh, but the, McCreary himself, shorter guy, uh, 5'11", not the longest um, actually, I think his arms are under 30 inches. Yeah. Um, but he has got his hips are extremely fluid. He's quick to flip his hips, to run with receivers. Um, he doesn't necessarily have the long speed for um, the, the go routes and all of that. Um, but he, he could run with guys, he can carry them to the safeties and stuff like that. Um, watching him run reminds me a lot of. And this is going to sound crazy. This reminds me of how quick Tyreek Hill's feet are because of just how wow. quick and choppy they are. It's, it's not a long strider. He is, it's, it's, it's how quick his feet go back and, you know, it's just, it's really, really fast. Now, it doesn't have Tyreek Hill's speed, like I said earlier, but right. just how quick he's chopping his feet um, and kind of getting through uh, when he, you know, finally breaks. Um, I thought he did a really nice job and he can, he can hang with receivers. Um, yeah. You, yeah. No, I, I, I agree with what you're saying on McCreary. Um, you know, the, the short arms are pretty noticeable, um, but yeah. he makes That's up for tough. I mean, there's some big receivers, you know, right. When you're going up against Mike Evans, who's a monster. Yeah. He's got power over him. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, it, I, I feel like NFL really values length at corner because you can be kind of maybe shorter. You can be 5'11", 6 foot, but if you have the arm length, you know, it makes up for it, right? Because it's all about reaching up for the ball. It's all about, you know, being able to reach around a guy and tip the ball away, right? Um, if you don't have those long arms, it's it's the game of inches, and that's why it matters. But, no, I, I do think the McCreary point that I like about this hick is that he is comfortable in press. He is a comfortable guy, you know, working in the flat, you know, you know, being physical against receivers, trying to block him, um, being able to come up, make tackles. I do think he can do all that, and that's what Spags obviously values in cornerbacks. So I like the pick. I like the pick. The one I, thing – Yeah. The one thing I want to say about him real quick, if you watch him against Alabama, which Alabama yes. had crazy receivers, I mean, between Jamison Williams um, – yeah, and, and real quick, I will say there's actually a great YouTube cut-up of, of him, of every – I think it's like every target uh, that Jamison, Williams, John Mechie, and whoever yeah, else sure. got against him on YouTube, if, if anyone wants to go check that out. But they targeted him frequently in that game, and he 
he didn't back down. The dude is a competitor. I mean, he's that was the thing that jumped out. He's like, okay, he knows he's got those short arms, but that does not stop him from just being an absolute bulldog. Um, and that's kind of the defense that I want to build is just a bunch of fierce competitors that are just going to attack. Think about uh, not a, think about yeah. Think about the other corners and the other. I mean, even the other safety on this team. I, I know, you know, Juan maybe not as attacking. You know, just just how he plays. I do think he's gotten a little better at getting downhill and making tackles though. Uh, yeah, when he runs that player. Yeah, exactly. But my the main point though, I mean, look at Fenton and Snead. I mean, those are two guys that definitely bring the attitude, definitely bring the physicality. You know, or have that swagger uh, with it to kind of complement it too. McCurry definitely seems like he fits in that in that room. So I, I really like that little trifecta of corners all of a sudden when you get McCurry in there. But, you know, there, there's a few options you could have went here, right, Christian? It's, you know, we, mm-hmm. there's there's tons of options. Is there any player, I, for, before I ask about guys that went after him, were there any players you look at your draft board that you were really hoping did fall to you at 30, uh, just didn't make it quite there? Was there anyone that stood out to you in that sense? I'm a Chris Olave guy. Um, oh, Chris! We got a Chris Olave guy here. Okay, okay, I like Chris Olave. I think he. I think his speed is real. Um, yeah, I think his separation is. I think the combine is gonna be really smooth. Um, and I, I just him and with Andy Reid and the, his ability to scheme players open. I just, I think he's just a fun player to have. Yeah. Um, Olave speed is, is ridiculous. There's no doubt about that. Um, I, I, I do think the one, I think the knack on him, which I, you know, maybe agree with a little bit, is just that he is a little one-dimensional. Like, he is more, you know, he is a straight-up Z in terms of, you know, I, I don't know how well you do on a lot of just, like, quick stuff, like, you know, outbreaking stuff, um, just kind of, like, quick game stuff. He is more of, I feel like, a big play receiver, which... You know, it's fine, um, and I and I do think he's a really good route runner. Uh, you know, on those intermediate to deep uh, routes, but uh, I do think he's a little one dimensional. But at the same time, what he's really good at is is what he's really good at, and what is going to make yeah. him a, a good NFL player. So, no, I would not I would not be mad if Chris Olave ended up on the Chiefs. But is there anyone else? Uh, if Jamison Williams fell, Ooh, yes. If if he falls, I mean. I think you you're taking a gamble because of the injury, but I think moving forward, he's he's special. It does seem like it, man. He's got that those long arms. Uh, he's fast as yeah. He's got to build out a little bit. He's a little thin, but yeah. But I mean, you see guys like Devonte Smith, uh, you know, still excel at, at their size, and and mm-hmm. Williams is a little bigger than that, and yep. I do think his length actually allows him to win through physical coverage a little bit. And then, yeah, that's speed, man. He's got that track speed. He's definitely a guy that if he was healthy, I think he might be the fastest receiver at the combine. Potentially, maybe not. Uh, you know, Olave is pretty pretty fast, as, as you just mentioned. But I don't know. I, I've, I've read that Williams, you know, he comes from a track family. His, his, families are, his family is, or his parents, I should say, are, are track, former track athletes. I think his, he's got like a sister or something that's a track athlete. I mean, he is he, he would be the guy that would be able to run the 40, you know, know how to do it, you know, in terms of technique and everything. But uh, yeah, moving I, on. I miss the Legion of Zoom. Yeah, Legion. Of, exactly. We got to keep it going, right? I mean, we, we can't just I miss it. I mean, last year we didn't have near as many big plays. That's true. That's true. Yards wise. 
But that's the thing. That's the thing, though. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get. I think Tyreek and McCole still got that. They just need someone to open it up by being good at getting open short to intermediate. Fair. And there was there was no one there last year. So uh yeah, we'll see. But looking at the guys that you passed up on to take number 30, Roger McCreary, is there anybody but that you were really tempted to go there? And then you're like, you know what, we gotta go McCreary. What were your kind of what was your decision making there? I really like Kyler Gordon as well. Um where did he the- go? He went 37. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, he went – He went. I, I was sitting there looking at the two of them. Uh, I really like Tyler Gordon. Uh, he's the other corner from Washington. Right. Um, McDuffie gets a lot of the the, head, the headlines, but uh, Gordon's just as long, willing tackler. Um, the thing that popped on the screen to me is, you know, he's not getting dragged for extra yards when he's making a tackle. He drives through. And one thing that we know Spags and uh, loves from his corners is aggressive tacklers who come downhill and stop the ball where, you know, when they make contact, they don't yes. get dragged. And that is Kyler Gordon. He's long. He, I think he has a higher ceiling maybe than McCreary, um, but I, definitely raw. I, th- I think that's a fair point to make, the ceiling, the ceiling uh, point you just made. Yeah, Washington DBs, man. I mean, it feels like they always get under. <laughs> you don't want to recruit, or you don't want to uh, scout helmet scout helmet, you know, helmet logo scout or whatever. But it does seem like that that program knows how to put them out, you know. And they're always underrated too when they're in the draft process. Guys like Byron Murphy, uh, I guess Marcus Peters was picked what fifteen or something. I mean, that was pretty high. Uh, but you know, Buda Baker, yeah. I feel like he wasn't a very high pick. And so, yeah, no, it's interesting, man. It's interesting. Um, any other guys, I, I think one guy that I, you know, I think if anyone's been listening to the AP draft room, I think the, the two safeties that went pretty close right after, uh, Daxton Hill and Jaquan Brisker, I like both of them, man. I, I do think both of them could fit really well into the defense and, and be kind of versatile assets and, and give you playmaking ability, but no argument, uh, you know, taking a corner. I'd, I'd really like some high investment in corner at some point. And a Brett Veach era, but did you have any consideration of picking one of those safeties or just another safety in general? You know, there's not really a wrong answer where they where they go on a lot of these um, position wise. But we're gonna get we're gonna go to the next question or the next uh, round now, the second round, Chiefs second pick, all the way to 62. We got to wait, and it might be worth the wait here. This is a guy that's starting to you know get excited, getting a you know a lot of steam behind him in the draft community. Arnold Debichetti, the edge rusher from Penn State. Um, Christian, when you pick a guy like Arnold Ebiketti, it is a little exciting, obviously. He's, he's a guy that's got some juice. But uh, how do you see him exactly maybe fitting Kansas City, or what was your thought process in picking him to the Chiefs? So first off, he is not a Spags edge. Right. <laughs> he, is, he is shorter. He's lighter. Um, he still has the long arms that's required. Uh, we'll see about the strength and everything else that he has. Um, but he wins with flexibility with an array of pass moves, um, pass rush moves, and he can get to the pocket quickly. Um, there are two plays that really stand out to me in the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. Chris Jones got really close to sacking Joe Burrow on a third down, and Joe Burrow escaped. And then in the Super Bowl, Aaron Donald got there and finished it. That is the difference, man. Ebiketti is a finisher. He can get there quickly, 
and he's different than whatever everything else that we have had on the defensive line under Spags. A lot of it is hold up your space, then go attack the pass or the the quarterback. You know, it's it is power to speed primary, right? Yeah. And Ebiketti is completely different. One of the things that made Chiefs fans super excited about Melvin Ingram is that he was just a little different. Um, he was he had a little bit of speed. He just got to the quarterback and penetrated faster than everybody else got there. And that's why, you know, he's such a hot name in free agency for around Kansas City. Ebiketti can do that. He can get to the quarterback. He's a pass rush. You know, you you slid in the DMs, Christian, and you brought up Melvin Ingram as a little bit of a comp for Ebiketti. Just, you know, not we're not saying, you know, Ingram is a great player. He's, you know, he was one of the best pass rushers that, you know, in the NFL at some point in his career. Um, obviously mm-hmm. we're, you know, but just the, just the style of their player, right? A little, maybe not the biggest guy, but someone that, that translates his momentum to power, right. Or, 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 or just, you know, maybe doesn't have raw power when he's standing still, but knows how to kind of generate power real quick with, with his steps and his movement. Um, and I, and I like that you mentioned, you know, finishing towards the quarterback, I, our guy, Rocky, we, we've, we shouted him out a few times today, but, uh, you know, I, I he pointed out, and this is actually a good time to talk about Boye Mafe, a, a, another potential pick here at 62, uh-huh. the edge from Minnesota. But I, Rocky made a great point on Twitter. He talks about how, you know, I, I posted a clip of Boye Mafe, you know, basically, you know, using his hands to shove a dude to the ground, um, which was, it's, it's good. It's a, it's a good play. And I, I just pointed out because I thought it was strong hand usage and I thought it was a, you know, an impressive play. But what isn't impressive about it is it didn't lead to anything, right? He he throws him to the ground. Yeah, he throws him to the ground. And he's just he's he's actually moved backwards instead of moving towards the quarterback. It is a skill, I think, to naturally finish towards the quarterback instead of just you know finishing wherever, right? You know, hey, I made a great move, but I'm way I'm five yards behind the quarterback, you know, right now instead of being towards him. So I do think it's a skill. It's a natural instinctual skill that you know some players have and some players don't. And Ebiketti, when you watch him, it does seem it does seem like he has that where it's just that natural finisher as the quarterback where no matter what his pass rush move was, he ends up, you know, eight, 10 yards in the pocket where a quarterback would, you know, where the quarterback would be, you know, even if he gets rid of it or whatever. So Ebiketti, I like the pick. I like how he could kind of, you know, he'd be kind of a versatile piece. You know, maybe he plays a little Sam linebacker in the base at times and in Kansas city, obviously rushing off the edge in any, you know, any sort of pass rush situations or just any nickel situations, but any player at 62, you were kind of like, man, I, I, I'm hoping they're, they're here at 62. They didn't quite get to you. Were you. What player were you hoping maybe fell to you? So the edge, Inigbari, Kingsley Inigbari from South Carolina. He is a Spags DN. Um, yes. He was yeah. kind of picked right before there. John Mechie was picked right beforehand. Uh, he'd just be really fun. <laughs> just, yeah. again, we talk about just getting greedy on the offense. Yeah, Mechie, Mechie would be fun. Um, he, he's another guy, just like Jameson Williams, where he got hurt late in the season, and so you're probably he's, you're probably going to get a redshirt year out of him in his first year. And and that's just, you know, that is tough to take because especially in the second round, when you only have four years on a rookie deal, if you're wasting one of those, you only have, you know, you're signing a player and it's, you know, you only have three years to really see what he, what he can do. That is tough. And that's why Mechie might be a little bit of a, he might fall a little bit, but you know, at some point it's going to be worth it. And you know, 62 might be, might be a good place for him. But uh, any, any other Mechie takes or any other guys you hope kind of fell to you? 
Now, the thing with Ebiketti, I mean, when he when I saw that he fell there, I mean, I see him as a double-digit sack guy. I mean, he can finish. He has enough flexibility to run the arc and then move back, work his way back into the pocket instead of just overrunning it. Yeah. Um, so him getting double-digit sacks, that, you know, that would lead the team right now. We didn't have a single double-digit sack player last year. Yeah, I agree. You don't want to go too far without taking at least some sort of defensive lineman. I do think, honestly, they could go interior uh, as well. And you know, yeah. speaking speaking of interior, you know, a guy like Federian Mathis from Alabama was was right behind uh, or was right after Ebiketti at some point. Uh, he's, he'd just be a solid guy. I don't know if he's you know a high ceiling guy, just more of a guy that you can plug in right away. He's going to give you good snaps. Majai Sanders, the edge rusher from Cincinnati. I know Rocky picked him in the spot last week. Um, he's an interesting player, although, you know, he he kind of, as much as he has more, maybe more length and a frame than Ebiketti does, he, he he's still kind of a smaller guy, a thinner guy, not as not as a powerful as guy. I do think Ebiketti could maybe even generate a little more power than Sanders can at times. Um, but Sa- Sanders can yeah. too, man. You know, he, he knows how to use his body. But And then I, you know, you mentioned Boye Mafe. Real quick, though, um, you know, there's a few receivers here, and we haven't, you know, we're, we're two picks in. We haven't picked a receiver yet. you have any takes on, you know, uh, you know, the receiver class, I guess, in general? Or just, you know, a guy like George Pickens is here. Christian Watson, I like from North Dakota State. You also, I didn't mention it earlier, but, you know, at 30, you pass up Jahan Dotson. You pass up Drake London to pick Roger McCreary. You know, this makes me kind of maybe think that, you know, maybe you're not as concerned about receiver or don't think it needs to be picked as highly. Is that could is that an accurate assessment or how do you kind of feel about receiver? Uh, I love Drake London. Um, I think he is amazing. I, I, I He's only 21. Yeah. Uh, I think he turns 21 sometime this fall. He's already destroying competition, you know, that's older than him, more developed than him. I mean, he's. You know, like Rocky said last week, you know, he's a basketball player. I want to hear that for 10 years, just like Rocky did. <laughs> Rocky wants it. Um, I think he's special, but again, injury. You know, how does he yeah. come back from that? Um, so I, I think that the rest of the class is pretty deep. Yeah. Um, I was kind of sitting there looking at the board, and I think there's more of a drop-off after the second round on your edge players than your receivers. Like you can yep. still get contributors um, late day two, early day three on the outside. Yeah, and that seems to be the typical way it goes, I feel like, in the draft. You know, receivers definitely tend to be, you know, it goes a little deeper, right? I mean, it, you know, receivers tend to, you know, you find guys like Terry McLaurin in the second round, DK Metcalf at number 63. I mean, that's just, it's it's ridiculous that it happens. You know, you got like Deontay Johnson in the third round. So it's interesting. And, you know, we got, we got, you know, maybe a, maybe a little option coming up, so we'll talk about that. But yeah. one more one more pick I want to get into before we throw it to break real quick. Pick number 94. This is the first pick in the third round for the Chiefs of, of the two picks they have. And you went Rasheed Walker, the offensive tackle from Penn State. We got two Penn State players now, two Nittany Lions. Um, Rasheed Walker, I actually highlighted him in my offseason uh, preview of the offensive line, what they could do to address offensive line. I, you know, you you brought Walker to my attention. I mean, I I guess I knew who he was, but it kind of made me look into him a little more. And I I do think I see where it could make sense for the Chiefs to try him as a potential player at right tackle, if not just be a swing tackle option. Um, Christian, when you pick Rasheed Walker, what was kind of your thought process on how he could contribute to the Chiefs? Really, this is strategy for me. 
I think after Shane Walker, you've got a couple more tackles who can contribute and be, um, you know, either that swing tackle or that right tackle. But I'm me going into this. I'm worried about Lucas Niang. Um, he didn't. He his last year at TCU, he played with a hip injury. Um, last year, he you know when he was on the field, you know he did fine. I thought he was. I thought he was learning. You know, he's obviously taking those rookie bumps, but he missed time due to a rib injury. Then now he has a knee injury that he's going to be coming back from. Um, it's just that offensive line is amazing. You know, you had a Pro Bowl, Orlando Brown Jr. You have uh, All Pro vote getting all across the entire line and all rookies from with Creed and Trey. I just want to keep building that and fortifying that forever. And Rasheed Walker was a three-year starter for Penn State. He's just turned 22. He is a young, raw player who has all of the, you know, he has that plan of power. Uh, his punch is good. I think he could use more strength. And yeah. then maybe on the right side, you know, you're, you know, if you're looking at your left and your right, you usually have your, your right tackle is a little bit more, a little stronger. Mm-hmm. But Mitch Schwartz wasn't a strong, crazy strong guy. But he won on technique, um, and I yes. think with right coaching, Rasheed Walker can definitely kind of hold up there. Yeah, no, I, I, the when I saw Walker, I, you know, the one thing that did stand out is, yeah, I don't think he'd have necessarily the the mass to really be a guy that's like pushing people around at right tackle or just any tackle position. But you know, neither does Wiley, and I think Walker has a lot, you know, has more functional strength or power than Wiley does, and you know, I, I think. Walker also has a little more, you know, a little better technique or just, you know, impressive technique as an offensive tackle. That's what I really liked about him. Was his hand, yeah, his, no, his hand usage, it just, it seemed like he really knew how to use his hands. You know, you, you see times where he, you know, he faked the hand movement to kind of set it up. Um, you know, he, he's a technical guy. You know, he, I, you can tell he is a little too handsy at times. That was one thing where he was using his hands too much, I noticed. Although I did watch him against Hutchinson and Ojabo at Michigan, so... You, you might have got a little handsy trying to trying to you know keep up with those guys, which are obviously two of the best you know defensive players in college football last year. But uh, yeah, I, first round edges. Yeah, yeah, and, and Ojabo. I mean, you know, imagine if he stays another year. I mean, next year he's probably a top five pick. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Walker. I I like the idea of him maybe as a swing tackle guy. I could see him you know translating to guard too as well at the NFL level. Um, you know, he 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 is a bigger body, mm-hmm. but I think I, I do think he has the movement skills, and especially in Andy Reid's offense, where they ask a lot of their, you know, in terms of movement skills from their offensive linemen, you know, in the screen game or just outside zone runs. Um, yeah, I, I think Rasheed Walker, no matter what, could be a guy that fits into the Chiefs' offense. Um, but was there any other consideration for players around this, this, uh, you know, this, this, or any positions you were kind of thinking? I would, did you almost force a position, thinking like, hey, I really want to get this position in before? You know, the end of the third round. What are you thinking here? Uh, so, like I said, there's kind of a, a drop off there. Um, yeah. I think after, I think after the third round, um, you have like a Max Mitchell, who is I think fine, uh, but uh, as far as someone who could be a day one contributor, uh, Walker was kind of the the breaking point for me. So, and I was kind of okay with some of the other areas uh, as far as the depth of the draft, whereas tackle it's. All right, is this guy going to be a guard next? You know, at the next level, uh, can he really hold up? Do I really want to put Patrick Mahomes' life into this person's hand? 
Yeah. No, I, I think offensive tackle is what, definitely one of those positions you don't find a lot of quality guys past day two. I would mm-hmm. think I would think so. Historical stats would probably back me up on that. But let's let's throw it to break right here, Christian. Uh, let's let's hear something from our sponsors real quick. We'll come back with your fourth pick of your seven round mock draft. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we're back here on the Draft Talk Show talking all things mock draft. We got Christian here talking through his seven-round mock draft. We've gone through the first three picks pretty extensively. We might try to speed it up here um, on these last picks because you went all the way to the last pick of the draft uh, with your seven-round yeah. mock. So, And we want to shout out all these guys. And the first first guy of this, this second half, although it is another third-round pick. So the Chiefs do have thir- two third-round picks this year. You went Rasheed Walker eight picks earlier. But at 102, you went wide receiver here. Alec Pierce from Cincinnati catching passes from Desmond Ritter in college. Obviously, Cincinnati is a very fun team to kind of follow, you know, with just being a group of five team going all the way to college football playoff. But Alec Pierce may be a guy that that isn't as known, you know, among this wide receiver class in Chiefs Kingdom, Christian. Introduce Alec Pierce to the to the listeners. Yeah, so he's, you know, almost 6'3", 210. Uh, comes from a athletic family. Uh, I think his dad played football at Northwestern. Mom ran track at Northwestern. He ran track um, as well. So I think next week at the combine, he's just going to really put up some really good numbers. Um, the thing that really jumps out to me about him is his ability to track the ball um, and high point it as well. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of red zone attempts from Ritter where Ritter kind of threw it up into the corner and trusted Pierce to come down with it. And the majority of the time, not all the time, but the majority of the time he was able to pluck it and bring it to his chest and come down inbounds and in control. Um, He just, it was really impressive how he was able to do that at his size. Um, He's kind of more of a, he has good height and size to be an outside receiver, but he can also play in a slot. And I think having kind of that bigger body at 6'3", with as creative as the Chiefs get in the red zone, could really present some problems, especially with his, I think his three cones would be crazy good. I think yeah. Fiftier than you think. Yeah, exactly. No, that, that was going to be what I brought up was that wow. I do think I do think he's pretty – no, <laughs> he's pretty shifty, man. He's pretty shifty for 6'3", 210. You know, you watch him, you know, beat press off the line of scrimmage. He, he's – He's got some quick feet and he's got some quick moves. 
Um, you know, he's he's a he's a guy like I like that you said he can kind of he's position versatile because yeah, you know, you hear six three two ten, that's an X receiver, but I do think he has the the speed, the quickness to play. You know, Z slot and X. So he's mm-hmm. an interesting he's an interesting player for sure. Uh, you know, I, I, I've seen him go earlier than this too, but I do think this is probably going to be where he's about, you know, by the time we get there, he's probably going to be end of the third round. Although, Hey, if he does well up at the combine next week, like you mentioned, um, you know, he could go up there, but other receiver options here that I noted, you know, Jalen Tolbert, I know Talon, uh, broke him down the other day. You know, it's a smaller school guy. Um, you know, kind of same, you know, similar build actually him and Pierce are probably similar players, honestly. Um, and so. You know, uh, who else do we got? Other receiver options. Well, you know, it, I, Kyle I, Phillips. Kyle, yes, that was the other one. Yes, yeah. He, he's more of a true slot guy. I like, I'd rather go with a guy like Pierce. So yeah. I like that pick. Next pick, 133. You went other side of the ball. You went Michael Clemens. We got our second edge of the draft class. So in our first five picks, this is our fourth round pick. You got Michael Clemens, the edge rusher from Texas A&M. What did you think about this pick when you when you first made it? It's a tough name, <laughs> all right? It's it is, it name. is, it is. So the second round we went Ebiketti, who is not as bad as Ian. I think you need to add horses. I think you need to add to that rotation to keep them fresh and keep them attacking. Michael Clemens is that edge. He's 6'5", 270, super long arm, very long-limbed, likes to strike first, uh, has real power um, in his hands, good strength. If you go back and watch, again, the Alabama tape, if you're going to watch the SEC, how they do against Alabama, and he gave Evan Neal, who is a top five projected pick, all kinds of fits. And so if you can do that against Alabama, you, you've got some tools. We've got something we can work with. Yeah, Clemens does feel like a kind of a high floor pick, honestly. A guy that, you know, he has the functional size, the functional strength, functional power. To, to, to hold up, right? He's not going to come into the NFL and, and get bullied, I don't think. I think he, he he's no. he's going to be able to to hold his own, you know, whether that turns into, you know, uh, him becoming a, you know, eight to ten sack guy. That's a stretch, right? But I, I, I do think he's he's a guy that you can you can take and feel pretty good that he's going to give you, you know, like maybe Alex Okafor level of, of, of snaps or, or, or impact, I should say, where, yeah, you know, he's, he's a solid player and he does his thing, but he's not going to be flashy maybe. So I like that pick, and and like I said, high floor. He still has the chance to to turn that into to more. Um, yeah. You know, he does have I, like above average athletic traits. So good. I, I think he can, I think he can give you, like I said, like you said, you know, high floor, right? Maybe a lower ceiling, but you know, you hope that your draft pick in Kendo, who is more of that pass rushing specialist, you know, if you're going to yeah. spell him on those rundowns, flip him with Clemens, and you're kind of in a better spot. I like that thought. I really do, actually. You know, you're taking late, you know, fourth round edges back to back years, make one of them pass rush specialist and one of them more of an early down guy you can trust. So I like that kind of best of both worlds. I got to say, Christian, you passed up on my guy, Garrett Prince here. He was right there, <laughs> tight end from UAB. You know, I'm not going to hold anything against you. You know, Noah Gray's looking good, but uh, we could use another tight end in the room. Yeah. I uh, know. So- it was. It was pretty cool to see uh, the computer generate him in the fifth round. I'm, I'm hoping he goes that high, but go ahead. The, the funny thing to me, so I, I'm looking at the, the 50 or the Chiefs roster right now. And I said earlier, we have like three DBs on the team. You know, you have three edge rushers. What you have a plethora of, you have like 10 tight ends. For no reason. <laughs> you have Travis Kelsey, Noah Gray, Hope Jody Ford can come back. 
then you have five players on the practice or on futures deals, which they're kind of just working through. So I think you see that what Noah Gray did last year, you hope that he can build on that, which I think he did fine. I think he was a willing blocker. Um, Jody Fortson was really becoming a part of the offense before he, his injury. Um, if they have to select a tight end, I'd rather than bring Blake Bell back on another cheap deal than to spend another early-ish pick, <laughs> as much as I like Prince. Oh, come on now. Come on. No, I, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree with you, actually. It's probably the one position that you really shouldn't spend a, a draft pick on, especially I do think Noah Gray is going to be that tight end, too, this year. And like you mentioned, man, Jody Fortson, um, you kind of it's easy to forget about him, but you could tell they had a plan for him. You could tell they wanted to use him. And honestly, that Washington game might have been the kind of the, you know, he had that huge that huge catch, you know, kind of jumped over a dude to get close to the goal line like that might have been his best play of the year. And it happened the game he got hurt. So um, Jody, Jody's on. Sorry. How many times have you seen Mahomes throw that ball? exactly right that that might have been the only time like we never see in, in the andy reed offense in general and maybe that's more alex smith before mahomes but you just we we've never seen you know them value jump ball ability or an ability to, to go make a big catch they obviously think if it can come from a guy that's not really taking up much roster space in terms of a third tight end maybe that's when we'll value it but it does still seem like they don't value it from their top playmakers but that is an interesting point, you know, and 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 I think Jody is the one dude that gives it to him on the offense right now. There's not really anyone else. Yeah. Well, other that was like Darryl Williams. Who yes. Other. Yeah. Of, of course. Of course. <laughs> Wide receiver one, Daryl Williams, you know, a thousand total yards in 2021. Uh, that was awesome. I can't believe he got all the way to a thousand. But so you so we were talking about Michael Clemens on that pick. That was 133. The Chiefs do have four picks scheduled after that. And I'm going to just rattle them off real quick. So you went Justin Ross from Clemson, wide receiver. That's a guy that, you know, a few years ago you would have had to get in the first round, right? I mean, he was a he was a bona fide, you know, top 15 pick, you know, a couple of years ago. He so had that's, a thousand that's all. receiving yards his freshman year at Clemson. Yeah. Ridiculous. He obviously had the he had the the scary spine injury that almost threatened to end his football career. Came back from that. So, uh, you know, good for him that he's, that he's continuing to play football, but that's why he slipped all the way down here. I would definitely say it's worth the grab. I, I you know, he's he's a bigger guy, he's an X receiver type of guy. We talk about going up and getting it, but I do think he's a, you know, he can give you a little more too. He's not just a big guy, not just a big target. He, I'm he, really he, he can get to open too. I'm really excited to see what he does next week. Yeah, that and, and that's the thing, you know, if if he shows that, you know, in the medical the interviews and stuff too, even in the interviews and stuff, if he can kind of prove to NFL teams He's good. He's going to shoot up the draft board because he is, he's a very talented player. Yep. Another, another guy you picked after that, we addressed the defensive line again. The third defensive lineman to get chosen. First interior, though, that's Neil Farrell Jr. from LSU. I do think this is one of the picks that I, I, I we might not see uh, happen in terms of – I feel like Farrell's going to go higher than this. Uh, the mock yeah. draft simulator may not have adjusted yet to it. It does seem like Neil Farrell – it's getting a little hotter of a name than, than pick 230, but uh, any thoughts on Farrell or why you went here uh, interior defensive line? He's just one of the better noses in the uh, draft. Yeah. Like he's just He's got really good uh, foot quickness, can diagnose the play, uh, kind of works through the block, um, 
it's I say in the backfield, rarely out of position. I just think he's a solid player. And this is why I think it's okay to let Derek Naughty go is because if you're trying to get cheaper, you can't pay Derek Naughty for the few plays he plays when you can find this in the sixth, seventh round. Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I've I've you know when as I as much as I love Derek Naughty. Right. And and that's where I was kind of going here is that I've kind of been saying like it makes sense to resign Naughty. I do feel like he might not be worth anything on the open market. It does seem like he doesn't really get, you know, he's not a very popular player for whatever reason, even though I do think he's a really good one tech. At the same time, man, it's so easy to replace that, you know, what he does. I mean, not so easy because I do think he was good at it. And, you know, you can find a guy that can do it. Doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be good at it. Um, But you're right. I do think you can find guys like this, especially these kind of players continue to get devalued and devalued more and more as the NFL grows and progresses because it's such a passing league now. And, and, they don't care about one tech second stuff, you know, hold up a double team. Well, that's stuff that really doesn't matter as much in today's NFL, but it still matters. And that's why I like taking Neil Farrell here to replace that Derek naughty nose tackle stuff. Next pick, you went safety smoke Monday, probably the best name of the draft. Although there's, there's a few candidates, but smoke Monday, the safety from Auburn. This is the first safety. We, we grabbed off the board. You pick corner at the first round pick. Uh, we talked about how safety might, you know, it, it's it's a thin position right now, even as we assume Badger's back. Yeah, I like O'Neal too. I've been watching. I watched uh, DeMarvin Leal and and uh, Michael Clemens quite a bit recently, and and he continue, you know, O'Neal continues to pop up when you watch those guys. So, I like Leon O'Neal. Follows in that same kind of foot uh, footpath as, uh, you know, Armani Watts uh, four years ago, uh, fifth round safety out of Texas A and M sign so let's see if they go the same route that way so smoke monday though was your mm-hmm. pick and then for the last pick of the draft you went back to offense you went back to skill position Devonte price from florida international not a very big name obviously and and it's going to be hard to find a big name at pick 248 what did you like about price that made you pull the trigger uh he's extremely patient uh he was out at the senior bowl and I think some of his major um, runs, whether they were in drills or in the, um, I don't think he actually played in the game, but in the drills, I mean, he was just patient. Um, and Florida International had a terrible offensive line. They were not good. And he still made play after play and was competitive. Um, very willing uh, pass blocker uh, can, can kind of fill in that role. Um, but he has good explosiveness. Uh, There was a game against Liberty where he had two huge touchdowns that kind of kept the team in the game that shouldn't have been in the game. Um, So two really big runs. So uh, he's a taller guy. He kind of runs upright, uh, but he does fight for extra yardage. um, So, You know who that sounds like to me, Christian? Daryl Williams. Um, and Daryl Williams is an unrestricted free agent. So, you know, they might try to replace that, that, you know, what Daryl Williams gave them with a guy, you know, undrafted free agent or a seventh round pick that can, you know, can hold up in pass protection, has the size to, has the frame to, and like you just said, runs really hard. So I like the sound of that. He's a little thinner. He's a little thinner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's a little lighter. But, mm. and Daryl. 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, at Florida International, you can get away with that. Maybe not so much in the NFL. So that'll be interesting, obviously. And, you know, Darrell Williams with the LSU. So, you know, it's a little it's a little yeah. different story, even if he was an undrafted uh, free agent. But that is all seven picks of your seven round mock. I'm going to run it down real quick. So with the first pick, you took Roger McCreary. He's a cornerback from Auburn. Second pick, you went Arnold Ebiketti, the edge rusher from Penn State. The 94th overall pick in the third round, the Chiefs took Rasheed Walker, the offensive tackle from Penn State. Then eight picks later, took Alec Pierce, the wide receiver from Cincinnati. At pick 133, Michael Clemens, the edge rusher from Texas A&M, was taken. 189, the Chiefs took Justin Ross, the wide receiver from Clemson. And with pick 230 overall, Neil Farrell, the interior defensive lineman from LSU. 240, you got Smoke Monday, the safety from Auburn. And 248, a running back from Florida International, Devontae Price. Great breakdown on everything, every pick you did, Christian. I think that was a really good discussion, really good insight for the people. But I want to get your I want to pick your brain before we get out of here on one more thing. And that is let's just imagine that we are Brett Veach and we have the capabilities to move up and from pick 30 and, and take a premier player in this draft. Let's say you can trade maybe next year's first. Let's just say that's the only thing you have to trade. So you're obviously trading this year's first and next year's first to move up. Let's say, let's say top 15, top 10. So maybe not one of the top five guys, obviously, but is there a player in the top half of the first round that you are willing to trade that much for? Man, I, I, to me, it, it's hard to risk next year's first when it's not a – I think the edges are good. I think they're really good. I don't know if they're Chase Young. Yeah. I don't know if they're Nick Bosa. I think if I was going to do it, it might be Derek Stingley Jr. Oh yeah. If I can, if I can get another LSU DB <laughs> next to next to Tyron Matthew, and just let them be ball hawks on the back on the back end. I think he's the one player who uh, his ceiling is probably the highest for his position, and could be just that lockdown guy. So I think your answer to the question was no, though. It sounds like it was yeah. no. I'd rather not. If it's right, the there's a, there's a lot of holes on this team, and there's a lot yeah. of cap space dedicated to the team that we already have. I mean, just looking at who's on the roster right now, you have 25 players, and that's before yeah. you make a decision on Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew. And yeah. so you have a lot of spots to fill. You have nine picks this year. Brett Veach usually only, or he's only ever walked out with six draft picks. I think that they need as many, they need some swings. I think, you know, if you can get, I think those swings are valuable unless you know you're getting that generational talent. And I think the only one who really is is Stingley. Yeah, no, I I think that more just talks to, you have made great points about how it affects or how it makes sense for the Chiefs roster. But I think it does speak to this draft class. I think it's 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 kind of a weak one in terms of just top end talent, in terms of guys that you think talent. there's depth yeah. there. Just that top end. I, I like I like the and I feel like it's always this way, maybe, and maybe it's just how we are as as a draft community. But I like the second and third rounds. Veach calls them the you know, the hot zones, right? And mm-hmm. uh and I do think I, I like the Chiefs kind of sitting in those having those, you know, two late third round picks, obviously a second and a, and a first, you know, you get to play around a little bit, you know, get some guys, take some swings, like you said. So it's interesting. This has been the AP draft talk. Christian, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thanks, um, man. 
yeah is there anything you want to plug tell the people where to follow you on twitter um just say bye to the people yeah so you follow me on twitter at k gumminger um i try to throw out a couple opinions every other day or so <laughs> <laughs> but um i'm writing right now kind of the that bread beach and review you know usually we you know we do draft grades as soon as you make the pick but let's go back to 2021 and actually how that played out and uh First week, we looked at the offensive line, and I think that was a great success. But you spent everything you had to fix it. And so the, the second one was the defense. And, you know, there was obviously holes there um, that you couldn't fill because you spent everything you had and used every opportunity to fix the O-line. Um, next week, I'll be looking at another area, which is why I think this draft reflects the weakness um, from the 2021 good i'm excited christian you've got you put out good stuff so the people will be excited um yeah no that's it for us here on the draft talk hope you guys enjoyed it please keep listening to the rest of the ap podcast network um we got the editor show obviously every wednesday now in the off season got ap draft room coming so you guys will hear that uh monday morning and we just got a bunch of stuff coming guys free agency is about to start up the combine is next week i'm excited about that and uh, we're gonna keep going here so Appreciate you guys. Reach out on Twitter, reach out wherever. Um, And yeah, we will catch you next time.